Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I will be your host. Today's guest is Nicole Ensign. Nicole is the CEO and founder of Sublime Communications. They're located in Connecticut, and we're going to be talking today about the ins and outs of branding and even rebranding, whether you're a small to medium-sized business just starting out or a large corporation. Nicole was on the front lines at one point of UPS through a rebrand, and she talks about that process and how when working for a large corporation, there can be a lot of red tape. Things take a lot longer, and the convincing of the C-suite might be challenging. Whereas if you're working for a startup or a small to medium-sized business, the branding and rebranding exercise is a little bit quicker. What I love about today's conversation is we talk about what has happened in 2020, And as we close this year out, yay, we're going to talk about some of the trends to watch for when it comes to branding in 2021. This month, we have dedicated the month to interviewing only females because the future is female. So welcome, Nicole, and namaste. everybody. Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. I am excited to be talking about one of my favorite topics, branding, with my guest, Nicole Enslein. Hey, Nicole, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're, we're recording this right around the holidays, and we were just kind of talking offline about you know virtual school and our daughters and the whole background thing that's happening while we're also running a company. Uh, and you know we're both running agencies. You're the CEO of Sublime, which tell us about Sublime. Sure. So Sublime Communications is a full service marketing communications firm. We're women owned and operated. And um, our, our core focus is really all about building brands. So starting from a really solid foundation, building out a strategy, and then developing creative to support it, and then deploying it across different media channels. I love that you're a women-owned agency and is it all women on your team, did you say? We have some men, but um, we are primarily women. That's awesome. And I was looking at your website, which is, I mean, anybody listening to this, like just from a, a visual branding perspective, it is beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much. I will tell you, I drove my team absolutely insane building that website because it's just a labor of love. And I'm so proud of all the work that we've done from Serena Williams to Blackberry Silence and Eureka and so many other great brands. And I really wanted to make sure that we showcased all the great work we've done, but did it in a way that's beautiful, easy to digest because no one likes to read anymore. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Websites have definitely transitioned over the years from being, you know, this big monster of a, not that it's not important, but you're right. Like it's, it's more of a visual and it's more of a, you know, kind of like check, check it off. Okay. Yeah. That, that looks amazing. And yeah, that message like really quick, you know, that that's exactly what I need type of thing. Um, you know, and we were talking before we got started of just about the connection that, um, I've always seen between public relations and branding. And when, as a, as a PR agency, when we're working with clients and their branding is, is not on point or is weak, it, it makes it that much harder for us to communicate 
to the audiences on behalf of them, whether it's a journalist, if if they don't have the right messaging and, and the visuals and the branding. So can we talk about that just to kind of kick this off? Oh, I would love to talk about that because it is what gets me excited. Um, and that's really the foundation of any great brand is understanding at, at, at its heart, what is most authentic about the brand, but what is most important to the target audience. And when those two things align and that intersection of the two is found, you have found that sweet spot. And that's what great branding is. It's based on an insight that truly motivates human behavior. And it doesn't matter whether it's B2B or B2C, everything we do is business to humans. And, and at, at our core, we, there's an emotional connection no matter what decision we're making. And whether you're the CEO of a company deciding what cybersecurity to use or someone purchasing a lipstick, there is an emotion that goes on. You know, for the CEO of a cyber company, they're thinking, my God, I don't wanna end up on the front page of the Wall Street Journal and be exposed and have to call my board of uh, directors and say we've been hacked. So finding that emotional resonance and understanding what is motivating their behavior. You know, they wanna feel protected. Um, you know, what is motivating someone when they buy lipstick? They wanna feel beautiful, empowered. They want something that enhances their beauty. And it's tapping in and understanding those, those key insights about your target audience and then being able to bring them to life creatively, it's magic. That's when the magic happens because sometimes you can come up with the most brilliant strategy, but if the creative falls down and it isn't brought to life properly, then it's just an opportunity missed. So it's- And I think, oh, I, yeah, I agree. And I think when people hear the word creative, when the creative isn't strong, um, a lot, a lot of times we're thinking just visuals. So to me, when I hear creative, it's, it's also, you know, the headline, it's the tagline, it's, it's the message that is along with the visual because the visual can't stand alone. And 100%. a lot of times I'm sure you've seen this too. It just, you know, it becomes the messaging gets so weighted down by clutter and unnecessary words, let's say, um, what advice do you give on that to clients? Like when you see that? Yes, um, I think it's, you have to think of your creative as almost a, an elevator pitch. You have the blink of an eye to catch someone's attention and you are going to get an immediate reaction if you have something that is bite-sized and digestible. You cannot try to throw the kitchen sink in. It is, what is that one thing? If there was one thing you had to convey, what is that? takeaway that you want someone who engages with your brand to get by seeing your advertising. And I, I can't remember the exact statistic, but I know it, it, humans have less of a attention span than goldfish today. <laughs> yes. And you know, I hosted a webinar and that was my, one of my opening stats was how sad that a gold, we, we should be marketing to goldfish because I think the goldfish has like a nine second attention yeah. span and humans are about eight seconds. And that's yeah. probably generous. Yes, yes. One of the things that also I was um, 
looking at your website and I was watching, I think at the testimony you're from GitLab CEO oh, yeah. and talking about working with Sublime. And what I, one of the things that I love that he said, this is so right up my alley is that, you know, when you were working with them, that the process was you were almost in activation mode at the same time as, um, you know, strategy mode. And you could probably say it better than I can to recap it. But a lot of times when working with a branding agency or even with a PR agency and, and, and it's like the first two months is just like the creative process and, and the strategy and like it takes forever to get the outcome. And not that we're minimizing the outcome, but I'll let you explain it better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I will never, you know, trivialize the value of building a really solid foundation and doing research and doing all of the things that are necessary to really dig in and get at the DNA of a brand. But there are times and anyone who is in the marketing world will relate. There are times when it just has to get out and we were able to work with GitLab in a very iterative, oh, thank you for, for the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had to work with them every second in lockstep. So as we created, they were very involved in the process. So we dug in, we did all of our research and strategy as quickly as we could. We did not try to reinvent wheels that were already in existence. We took what, what they had done, built upon a really solid foundation. Uh, they're an incredible company. It's all about open source and um, being extremely forward thinking. And so it, it was so fun working with them to build out their campaign. And yeah, sometimes you just have to move. And there are so many things that, that perfection can sometimes be the enemy of the good. Yeah. And, you know, the reality is also times have changed. I mean, 10 years ago, yeah, things were not as digital and not didn't move as fast. And you didn't have like just the tools that we have today to make things more efficient. And I mean, you know, back in the day, a PR campaign would, you know, a pre first of all, a press release would take maybe a month or two to get signed off on. And, you know, in today's world, that just doesn't happen. Campaigns have, you know, shrunk in time from a six month campaign to we're going to see what happens in a week and, you know, adjust. And, um, you know, so everything, you know, is more efficient to make it quicker to, to turn things around and Absolutely agree with you that the world has completely changed. The way people consume media has changed. The shelf life of media, you know, it's, as you said, things um, become stale. And so this idea of building a website and thinking of it as a static kind of thing, you know, everything we do is, is growth driven design and, and we continually enhance websites because content needs to be constantly refreshed. And, um, you know, things like videos, we, we really try to create a lot of videos in a really cost-effective manner because media is consumed quickly. Um, you know, the days of the million-dollar shoots are, it's great if, if there are people out there with those kinds of budgets, but um, you know, that's, that's just not the world that, that I've been seeing. And so it's about being able to provide what a brand needs to continue 
to evolve and stay relevant and engaging and to be able to do it for brands in a way that's cost effective. Definitely. And um, I was just doing an interview earlier this week with um, another female owned company who went through a rebrand and she was, um, she was talking about how they, they actually shared with their audience, you know, the, the rebrand on social and like what, what their audience thought about the different changes in the messaging to kind of crowdsource and get the idea. And, you know, it's just an example of how, you know, we can just use our, our social communities that we have right now to help us. You know, I think it was the gap that did it a couple of years ago or, you know, another brand that <laughs> the, the community didn't like it. So they had to change back. Right. Yes. And I remember, I can't, it might've been Tropicana or an orange juice brand at one point changed their packaging. And I mean, that's the holy grail of marketing when your audience is so engaged that they are yelling at you to bring it back. I mean, you've really tapped into what people want. And, and I think it's brilliant to involve your audience with changes sometimes because it shows that you care, that, that you're really responsible and, and that you value your customer. Can we talk about just um, the whole rebrand um, topic and how, you know, when companies are first starting out, I mean, if I go back and look at my original logo for my, my agency, it's, you know, much different look and feel than today. And big brands also have gone through the evolution of the logo. When, when is it, when do you know it's the right time to rebrand and what are some, some steps or questions that you should ask yourself as a, as a brand? Sure. I think it's so important to always be looking at your brand. And again, it's, it's almost like, um, you know, you check your car out, you, you get tune-ups, you rotate tires and change the oil and a brand is a living, breathing organism. So, you know, there are things that should always be steadfast and true. But for example, when I was working at UPS, I, I ran um, uh, their national advertising and we engaged in a logo redesign. Now talk about a brand with 100, we literally had 100% brand awareness, which was wonderful. But we, what we found is that the, the brand needed to evolve. Um, you know, what, what our awareness was steeped in was no longer what was driving the business forward. So we were steeped in brown, ground transportation. And what we needed to be thought of was overnight, fast, sexy. Um, so what we did was we, we did a brand reposition. And, you know, again, um, one thing to reposition a brand when no one knows who you are, but a whole other thing to reposition a brand when everyone knows who you are uh, and thinks of you as the brand that delivers grandma's cookies. And so we started by using some of the more cutting edge services like uh, supply chain management, e-logistics, and the overnight shipping as ways to show that we were really at the forefront of technology. And the campaign that we came up with is what can Brown do for you? And, um, you know, I was really proud to help launch that campaign and that ran and supported the brand for so many years to come. And 
you know, during that time, we did a complete logo overhaul, which for a company with hundreds of thousands of employees and trucks, you know, and planes, every logo everywhere had to be changed. And so we took the logo that had what looked like a parcel on it and changed it to something much sleeker and, and more modern. So, you know, I think, I think what, what brands have to do is continue to look at what is driving your, your business. Where is your core? Where are things going? You know, are there elements of your business that are not included in your overarching brand proposition? You know, you may have started um, your business and digital wasn't as big a thing. And now are you encompassing that? And, you know, just making sure that everything that you offer still fits under that overarching position is really important. And how do you overcome, I'm just going to, I don't know if this is a real term, but brand attachment internally with the, you know, the, the stakeholders who maybe started the company or just like really love that original logo and don't want to change it. What are some tips you could give to that? (laughs) Yeah. The biggest one is please try and get it to be someone else's idea. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but I, I think, in seriousness, honesty and openness when working with a client, you know, I think, I think sometimes there's this tendency to be afraid to be, to bring up something negative about the brand. But um, I think if you're a true partner and you have to be visionary and you have to push things, you have to push the envelope and, you know, something I often do is I will show case studies. I will show them you know, here, here's how it's worked for other brands and, and, you know, at least be able to support your argument with facts. And Mm -hmm. I guess I suffer from squeaky wheel syndrome because when I, when I really feel something passionately, I can't help but bring it up every single time we talk. Um, When I feel conviction for something, I go for it. And I think, as marketers, if, if we really trust our, I call it my spider sense and I trust it, I will, I will say to a client and, and there are times I get, of course, get shut down, but I will say, you know, this is your moment. This is the platform. This is what you need to be doing. And I have had clients who say, yes, let's go for it. And I've had others that say, I respect what you're saying, but I'm going to, do the death grip on the door, you know? So. And when is there, is there a case for, um, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it type of thing? I mean, I'm watching, um, one of my favorite podcasts right now is going through, I think, you know, they're doing a great job of reaching out to their community and, you know, asking each step of the way of, you know, their changes and what the community likes on their um, part of the content. Um, but I also see them kind of changing up their intros, which is like part of their brand. It's like, it really is just like what I, I can like hear it in my voice. And I'm yeah. kind of like, Ooh, don't, don't change that. Like oh, this is, this is her, how you got to where you are. Like right now is not the time. Like, how do you know when, what, what are some signals that if it's not broke, don't fix it. Or is it? Look, I think, you know, if you're still seeing engagement numbers, whatever your, your agreed upon KPIs are, you know, if you're getting, um, whether it's based upon engagement, ROI, 
whatever those things are, if you're still, you know, meeting your objectives and hopefully your objectives are challenging, then, you know, yes, you should always be looking at things you can do to make things better, but, but you never want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, and then another topic I, for, as we go into 2021, um, that I'm seeing with our PR messaging and, you know, it also ties in with branding is, you know, trust and, and building trust with your, with your audience. And what are some tips or, you know, insights you can give with how brands can, can build trust through their branding? I absolutely love that question because I think it is what's happened with COVID has changed marketing dramatically. It's, it's really interesting. I mean, I think, A, the fact that Zoom has become really the accepted, you know, whether it's Zoom, GoToMeet, et cetera, but, but video conferencing, we have now accepted humanity differently. Whereas, you know, a year ago, if my daughter walked in while I was on a conference call, that I would have felt so unprofessional and it would never have happened. But now the world we're living in, we've become so accepting of things and we understand. And there's this, you know, we're all holding hands and we're in this together kind of a feeling. And I think, um, you know, brands being authentic right now and leaning in and understanding there are some brands that really at the beginning of COVID got it and did amazing things. Um, Dove did a campaign that, that really celebrated the people who were on the front lines and they showed um, the people working in hospitals and the nurses were getting abrasions on their face from wearing the masks for so many hours and they were celebrating real heroes, real beauty and, and just recognizing these people. And COVID, I, I called it, my new dance was the COVID pivot because we had to pivot our marketing strategies for all of our clients. Um, you know, we really leaned in. For example, Delamar Hotels is one of our clients and they're an amazing boutique hotel chain in uh, Connecticut. And we shifted, you know, to creating messaging that was really about a, a safe staycation. We supported um, things you could do in your home. We supported even some of the furloughed staff. We encouraged people to make donations and we raised money to help people. And it, it created tremendous engagement despite it being a time that has been historically tough for the hospitality industry. There are just so many great examples of, of marketing that was done really well. There were liquor companies that did really fun campaigns, you know, um, we'll be together, but this year on Zoom kind of a thing, um, like toasting and they encouraged social get togethers on, on video conferencing and just, yeah, there, it's amazing how, how much marketing has changed and how much brands can lean in and really engage. And, and again, I think it is becoming more human. I think 
it's safe to say that 2020 was the most challenging year for brands and branding and marketing because of not just the pandemic, but the protests and the challenges with, you know, diversity and brands are having to rethink or even think for the first time about some of these topics that they're being forced to. And it, it's a good thing. It, you know, I think it it's is. really going to, going to help. Um, but it's been very challenging. And what advice do you give brands to kind of look inside and, and, and self-examine and, and see what might need to change for 2021? Sure. I think really looking to where you have unique insights um, is a great place to look and thinking about what insights you may have as a brand. Is there data that you've collected that no other industry or, or no one else would have? For example, you know, I think everyone really wanted to know and understand what was going on with travel and what were people doing. And so, um, you know, some of the airlines started publishing different pieces about it because they, they knew what people were and weren't doing. And um, being able to offer unique insights from your industry is really a great way to, to drive engagement and show that you're responsible. I think more responsibility and, and just, um, you know, kind of this idea of global citizenship is, is really important now. And the more a brand can do to look inside, as you're saying, is important. I was reading something also about just the topic of um, being, you know, social responsibility and, and showing that in your, as part of your branding and, and where you stand. And, and the other topic was whether or not brands acknowledge in their marketing about, you know, the pandemic and COVID, like some brands, you know, are like, oh no, we don't want to mention anything in our branding. But I think there was a study in ad age or something that showed that consumers are more relatable whether it's B2B or B2C, it's a brand that are like being real, like the example you gave with Dove. Exactly, because it's sort of like the ostrich with your head in the sand, like, ooh, I don't wanna have an opinion. And I, I just, you know, let's pretend this isn't the elephant's not in the room. And mm -hmm. that's not real. Everyone's life has changed. A lot of people are struggling. You know, there, there are industries, I think about, you know, living in Connecticut, just outside of New York City, I miss going to the theater. Talk about an industry that's just gone overnight. And, um, you know, I think recognizing all the things that have occurred, it's, it's important, but, but do it in brand character. I think um, a mistake that brands can make is just trying to play something and pander. Like you can never pander to an audience. And when you're not authentic and you're not being real, people see right through it. And so it has to fit with your brand. Um, you know, and I thought it was amazing, even brands like uh, LVMH during, during COVID, they shut some of their factories from manufacturing more luxury goods and they were making hand sanitizers and masks and who would have thought Louis Vuitton and, 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 you know, yeah, right. would, yeah. 
It's like everyone. I mean, masks are now an actual like fashion, fashion statement. Yeah. <laughs> I get compliments on my masks all the time when I don't Me wear the surgical ones. <laughs> Me too. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> doesn't match my outfit. <laughs> um, it's so true. So we were actually going to talk about what makes content viral, but I mean, I've loved our conversation. So maybe we can do another interview and maybe after the first of the year about what makes content viral. Um, but if you could share, Nicole, maybe some resources um, for brands that are trying to get their act together when it comes to branding or even a rebrand, um, if you have any resources on, on your site or just also just third-party resources that, that you really highly recommend. Absolutely. I would love to do that. Yes. I, I think we all have to be here for one another and we've got to get this economy back on its feet. So absolutely. I would love to. Okay, great. And any books or blogs or social channels, or do you have any eBooks on your website that we could look at for um, insights on branding? Um, I think on our website, there, there, there are several webinars uh, that we have done. And certainly you know, there are resources that we love that, that some of our staff reads on a daily basis. Um, my chief of staff is a huge fan of Blinkist. I wake up every morning and read the daily, the, the morning brew. Uh, oh, you do. Yeah. 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 And, and it's funny, you talk about a brand that a changing brand. I used to only read the skim and I noticed something changed over there. Um, and I became a morning brew person. Cool. Well, if you think of any more, just let me know and we'll put them in the show notes, everything that we talked about. And of course, a link to the website and um, any other like webinars that we can find, we'll put, we'll put in the show notes. And I would love to have you back and talk about what makes content viral because I've loved this love conversation that. and I'm sure everybody else did. So thank you so much, Nicole, for being a guest. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.